Hi, and welcome to Femme's Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Asiel, and this podcast aims to support, educate, and empower women to achieve career success and financial freedom. In each episode, Femme's Finance talks with successful women leaders, founders, and investors to inspire you in your journey to financial freedom. Check out the show notes, links, and resources on our page, femmesfinance.life. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Asil Altaiva. Today, I'll be speaking to Sasha Pilch, who is a principal at Fink Capital, which is full life cycle investment firm focused on early stage fintech investing. At Fink Capital, she'll be involved in helping the firm source promising early stage fintech founders and closely collaborating with those entrepreneurs after investment and adding meaningful operating value full life cycle. She is also the co-founder of NYC Fintech Women, a community that connects, promotes and empowers women within the fintech industry. In this episode, we're talking to Sasha Pilch about her expertise in fintech and her roles in working as a principal for Fink Capital in order to empower you to reach career success and financial freedom. So without further ado, let's welcome Sasha Pilch to our fifth episode of the Femmes Finance Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sasha. Thanks, Asil. It's really nice to meet you and very excited to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. So first, what I like to do in our podcast is to let people introduce their background. So for people who just heard your bio and are scratching their heads as to, you know, what do you exactly do? How do you explain what you do? What is your day-to-day responsibility? Yeah. So I'm a principal at Fin Capital, which is venture capital firm. We only invest in B2B fintech companies. And my role is to source early stage and seed stage companies that we're potentially going to invest in. And then once we do make the investment, we work with those companies to ensure that they grow revenue so that we can invest in their subsequent rounds. Amazing. How did you become so much interested in fintech and venture capital? Can you share your personal mission in life and, you know, how it drives you in your career and personal pursuits. Yeah, absolutely. So you can probably tell from my accent that I'm Australian. So I grew up in Sydney and out of university, I applied for a number of graduate programs. It's a great way to accelerate your career. I ended up choosing Westpac, which is the biggest bank in Australia. And I was there for four and a half years. I then moved to London, which is something that many Australians do. When you're under 30, you are allowed to live in London for two years as an Australian citizen. So I took advantage of that and worked at Royal Bank of Scotland and at City. I moved back to Australia and worked at Commonwealth Bank of Australia and was in their innovation department. This is when I started to get exposure to a lot of fintech companies. And I really saw the opportunity there because I had worked for large banks for almost a decade and noticed that because they were so big and they were built on antiquated core systems. It was difficult to be nimble and really take advantage of the latest technology. And 
bin techs, on the other hand, that were much smaller, were able to move faster and do really great things, not having to worry about being built on like a legacy platform. So that is what really sparked my interest. And I ended up moving to New York because the fintech scene in the US was much bigger than the one in Australia. And I took a role at B2B fintech company called Quovo. It was then acquired by Plaid. I worked at Plaid. I then moved over to another B2B fintech company called Ramp and another one called Pinwheel. So I had a lot of B2B fintech exposure. And when I was thinking about my next move, venture was something that was very exciting. And I ended up choosing Fin Capital because we only invest in B2B fintech companies. And in my opinion, that is the best investment. Can you please talk about some of the failures that you've had in your career journey and how did you overcome all those failures and what did you learn from your journey? Yeah. So the thing I think that really made me be comfortable with failure was it was coming towards the end of my time living in London and I was considering doing like a three-month like going to language school and learning Spanish and living in Spain. And I was feeling nervous about it. And I was talking with an old man who was sitting next to me on a bench when I was waiting for a friend to come and meet me. We were going to do yoga and I was I was a little bit early. And I told him that, you know, I was considering moving there, but I was scared and I was worried, you know, it was I was going to fail and it wouldn't go well. And he said to me, this is the one life that you have. And it's it's not the rehearsal. It's not like this is the prep for the next life that you're going to get. So just do it. What's the worst that can happen? So that gave me the confidence to go and do it. And I did it. And I I definitely learn a lot. I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker today, which I guess can be seen as a failure, but I'm so happy that I did it. And it really helped me with my in- independence and my ability to take calculated risks. When I did end up moving to New York, I like had the same mindset of, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I applied for a hundred jobs and had many, many interviews and didn't get a lot of those jobs, which, you know, is I guess, like a failure in itself, but I ended up being very disciplined and sticking with it. And thank God I got the job at Quovo, which then meant that I could actually move to New York and start this career in fintech. This is awesome because right now I'm also in the phase where I'm applying to internships and I'm getting lots of rejections. So yeah, we should, you know, keep doing it until we find the companies that will fit to our character or personality and that will eventually lead to another success story. Okay, now let's talk about some early stage fintech startup investing. So I would like to ask, how do you evaluate early stage fintech startups before investing in them? Do you have specific systems and frameworks that you use for evaluating the potential promising companies? Or do you ask yourself certain questions that other people don't ask? Yeah. So how does it work for you? Yeah. So when I was first in New York and deciding where I was going to work, I had a certain criteria that I applied. Like I wanted to be at a company that had big TAM and big distribution 
And that's one of the reasons that I chose Quovo because Quovo is an API that provided connectivity to consumer financial accounts. So from that point of connectivity, there's a number of things that a business can do, whether that's connecting people's accounts for personal financial management reasons or connecting their accounts so that they can fund investing apps like Stash, M1, Public.com, or it's connecting their accounts so that they can be underwritten for a loan and then repay that loan to lending fintechs like Upgrade, Opportune, etc. So that was something that made me realize that this one API had many, many applications and therefore had the opportunity to be a very big and successful company. So that's the criteria that I applied when I chose that company to work for, which essentially is like investing in the company. Because when you do start at an early stage startup, you do get equity, especially when you're an early team member. So in a way, you're you're choosing to invest in that company like by working for it. In that role, and also when I was at Plaid and at Ramp and at Pinwheel, I was talking to so many different founders every single day because they were deciding whether or not they wanted to buy the SaaS that I was essentially selling working for those companies. And that gave me the ability to assess founders and their ideas. I started to get like a good sense of, okay, this person has the ingredients for success. They're going to do pretty well. Um, this person maybe not going to do as well. And these people are going to absolutely kill it. And that enabled me to start talking to other VCs. So ha- being in sales at these B2B fintech companies, I would go to the VCs that I had relationships with and say, hey, I, I spoke to a hundred founders this month. I can give you the top 10 if you, in exchange, give me introductions to your growth portfolio companies, and then I can do big contracts with them. And that meant that I started like organically acting like a scout for finding top founders to invest in. And then now that I am actually in an investor seat, I am applying those same types of criteria. So like the founder's background, have they had success creating a company in the past, the connections that they have, what other investors are they talking to or have they gotten funding from, what is their understanding of the competitive landscape, do they know every possible competitor that's out there and how are they better than all of those. So there's a number of criteria that we apply when assessing companies. Can you share some of the examples of successful investments that you've been part of and what made those companies stand out to you? Yeah. So the companies that I've worked for have fortunately been very successful. So Quovo was acquired by Plaid for $200 million. Plaid is one of the best fintechs in the US and, and beyond. Um, Ramp. I was part of the founding team and now is a highly successful corporate card fintech. That one in particular, I was very interested in because I knew what the incumbent was like. 
So having worked in corporate cards at City, when I first heard that ramp was a tech forward version of what traditional corporate cards are, I really knew that there was an opportunity there because I had seen what it was like with the existing technology that's built on legacy systems and doesn't have the speed and the functionality that a newer player like Ramp or Brex have to make finance teams and employees' lives easier. So that was a way that I was able to assess that this was a good company to invest in, invest my time in, invest myself in. What are some of the key challenges and opportunities you see in the fintech industry right now? I think one of the key challenges is that it has become a very hot industry. So, you know, back when I first was like learning about it in 2014, there weren't that many players. Because there has been so so much success, there's been a lot more interest in it and therefore a lot more entrepreneurs starting companies a lot of them doing pretty much the same thing. So that is a challenge in that competition is higher and it's difficult to find something that's truly new and and new and unique. How do you think what factors are contributing to the rapid growth of fintech companies in recent years? Why it's becoming so popular? Yeah, it's become so popular because the companies have performed so well. So if you look at Plaid, for example, like before Plaid, there was no way to connect your account and make your life easier. So if we look at like a Plaid client like Venmo in the US, before Venmo, if you wanted to send money to your friend and they were banked at a different bank, it was extremely difficult. It would take a long time. It would be very expensive. It was like a real hassle. And then Venmo came along and being powered by Plaid, people could connect their Wells Fargo, Bank of America, whatever bank they banked at in literally seconds and then move money to friends or family members in seconds. So it was so revolutionary and became extremely popular. So like you know, 40 million Americans have Venmo on their phone and use it every day. Um, So things that are just like so obviously making people's lives easier, I think is such a reason that fintech has become so popular. I see. So people are seeing the values that other companies are creating and they're trying to also make a similar impact in the world. Can you offer some advice for founders looking to secure venture capital funding for their fintech startups? Yes. So when approaching VCs, it's very important to ensure that you're talking to the right ones. So the the worst thing is if you're trying to get in contact with a an investor at a VC and that investor can't even invest in your company because you're in a geography that they can't invest in or your seed stage and they only do growth equity. So definitely be assessing those factors. And it's also great to be connected via a warm introduction. So just cold outreach is not the best way to start off on the right foot. So definitely look at creative ways to leverage your network in order to get a warm intro. And it could come from 
unusual sources. So, you know, use every possible connection that you have to figure out the six degrees of how to get a warm introduction to that individual and be really considerate when asking for people's help. Think of what you can add in exchange. A lot of young women say to me, well, I'm only in my early 20s. Like, I don't know what I could offer up as help in exchange for these people making introductions for me. But you have a lot to offer. You are of a younger generation that older people that you're talking to are not from. And so offering insights in terms of what's the latest and greatest for your generation or explaining things that the older generation don't understand as well can be of value in itself. Utilize your network and start to build and grow your network so that introductions become easier. Also, I want to ask some questions about Fin Capital. So this investment firm is specialized in B2B fintech in the US and Europe. Do you have any plans to expand it to Asian countries as well? Right now, we do some investments in Latin America and we're looking at Israel. We haven't expanded to Asia Pacific yet. I am from Australia, like which falls within APAC. So I hope that in the future we do expand there. But right now we've got more than enough going on in the US, UK, Europe, and LATAM, Israel. We'll be very happy if you also enter our country and start investing to some of the big companies in our country as well. It's just so amazing. Okay, next question is about diversity and some potential opportunities that are available at Fin Capital. Among our listeners, we probably have lots of young women who are interested in joining your company. So can you please share about some of the opportunities that are available there? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's important for me to also talk about my, I guess, side hustle but very complementary to my actual career. So when I first moved to New York, I didn't know anyone. And I had just come from working for large banks for almost a decade. And I was very frustrated with the fact that many of my male counterparts, many of which I was doing more work than and getting better results than, were paid more than me or would get promotions above me. A lot of the time from interactions they'd had where I was excluded. So for example, all senior men and and male employees at my level would go on a golf day and they would come back with, you know, a relationship that would then lead to them getting promoted or them getting the best deals to work on, et cetera. So I had that frustration when I moved to New York and coupled with the fact that I didn't know anyone, I was like, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to start a group where I'm going to be able to action on the frustration that I have with gender inequality and meet a lot of people. So I started a group called NYC Fintech Women with my co-founder, Michelle Tran. And our mission is to connect, promote, and empower women to advance their careers. We started just as meetup, 16 women came, and then from that, it really started to organically evolve. We now today have 10,000 members. 
We host events in multiple cities, New York, San Francisco, Chicago, looking to expand to Boston, Austin, Atlanta, and other fintech hubs within the U.S., Um, We've held over 90 events since inception five years ago, and we've also started other initiatives such as a blog series where we feature a woman every Friday. It's called Fintech Female Fridays. We have a hiring initiative called Hashtag Hire Her, where we help companies hire diverse teams and we help women get placed. And so that was very instrumental that I was doing that in addition to my full-time job. And yes, it was a lot of work, but it was very complementary to my role. It meant that I was able to build a really big network. It meant that I was able to add additional value to other fintech companies. So I was getting approached all the time by male CEOs. The unfortunate truth is that In the US fintech scene, the vast, vast majority of CEOs are male, but I was pleasantly surprised with how focused they were on building diverse teams and hiring more women. So a lot of the top fintech companies in the US would contact me and ask me to host an event in their office or promote women that are at their company. Uh, And this then led to me building a name in the industry and being very helpful and mission-driven in terms of bringing about gender diversity to our industry. Had I not done that, I don't think I would be in the role that I'm in today. So um, for the women that are listening, like if you do want to make a transition into venture at some point in your career, and I encourage all of the listeners to think about that because it will lead to so much change. Like we do have a very male dominated VC industry here in the U S and globally. And so the more women that we have as investors that will trickle down to everything throughout the industry. So we'll have more female founders getting VC funding. They'll be able to put more women on boards, have more senior women at the companies and so on. So I would definitely recommend doing something additional to your day job and being really smart about that to ensure that it's complementary and that your time is being really well spent. That's such a great advice. Thank you so much for sharing it. What are your last advice to young women listening to our podcast? It can be a, a book recommendation or some of your personal advice. What do you want to share with us? I would say look for good opportunities. I would always encourage to find those opportunities that are really going to excel you. And that can be like both in your career, but then also from like your own personal finances perspective as well. So you don't necessarily just have to invest in in stocks, et cetera. Like you can be learning about other investments. Like for example, if it's property and there are government grants or ways that you can get into high growth areas that are currently a lot more affordable, but are going to significantly increase. Things like that can be game-changing in terms of your personal wealth and success. 
That's fantastic, Sasha. Thank you so much for taking the time to participate in our podcast show today and sharing your valuable insights and experiences with us. We'd like to express our sincerest gratitude to you for taking the time to share your knowledge and experiences that you've acquired throughout your career journey in order to inspire young women in their journey to career success and financial freedom. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. The information presented on the podcast or available on our website is for entertainment use only and is not intended for financial or investment advice. Make sure to consult with your own financial professional when making decisions regarding your financial or investment options. That's all for this episode of MS Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and found the discussion helpful in your journey to financial freedom and career success. Please don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms and leave us a review on your podcast player. Until next time, please keep empowering yourself and your finances. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day.